Hello and welcome to this Stevenson Harwood podcast. I am Tom Page, a partner in the corporate team here at Stevenson Harwood, and this is one of a series of podcasts that we are hosting following the publication of the eighth edition of the Practitioner's Guide to the AIM Rules, which my colleague Tom Nichols and I co-edited, and we're taking the opportunity to talk to some of the chapter contributors, and I'm very pleased to be joined today by Adam Pollock and Chris Fielding from WH Ireland, who were part of the team who provided the chapter on the role of the broker and trading in AIM Securities. So welcome Chris and welcome Adam, and I'll hand over to you to introduce yourselves. Adam, would you like to go first? Yeah, um, thanks very much Tom, and good morning. So my name's Adam Pollock, I'm head of the Corporate and Institutional Broking Division of WH Ireland. We're some 30 strong and full service we have 80 AIM clients and a number of private clients who we look after on an ongoing um, retained basis. Uh, my day job is uh, on the corporate broking side, so effectively corporate sales, and um, I've been doing that for uh, many years now. Chris. Thank you, Adam. Thank you, Tom. Uh, I'm Chris Fielding. I'm the managing director in the WH Island corporate finance team, and like Adam, I've been doing this for many years too. Very good. Welcome both. So the first thing I thought we could talk about is is the general state of the market. And clearly 2020 has been an, an extraordinary year with the background of the virus. And so it has also been for the market with a, a supercharged Q2, particularly as companies came back to the market to raise cash and bolster their balance sheets and respond to that initial phase of the of the crisis. But I just wondered how you see the markets performing as we go into next year yeah well i think uh, i think you know we started off quite interestingly in uh, february thinking this year was going to be absolutely fantastic after last year's very negative period which was really um, brexit related then in march obviously covid appeared and that was the end of that and the market's been uh, as you say actually quite resilient what i think's interested me is the fact that they've been open the whole time you've been able to do a deal consistently for the right companies um, from the beginning. And I think what is also interesting is that uh, the initial COVID fundraisings were very much rescues, particularly for the consumer-facing um, businesses. But about halfway through the first lockdown, we went into a period of growth companies looking for opportunities raising money. And they were all, by and large, given the money um, they asked for, which I think is pretty impressive. Uh, I'm, I'm very optimistic for next year. How do you see IPOs panning out into next year? Actually, I'm rather confident. WHL has already completed this year a very successful IPO for various eateries. And I think I can say our pipeline does include several IPO mandates. You mentioned various eateries there, which was one, was one of the handful of new companies coming to the market this year, new IPOs on AIM. Um, I... And WH Ireland were sole broker and nomad to various eateries, so congratulations on that. I'm sure there were COVID particular considerations for that IPO, but I just wondered, was there anything that you think might represent a new trend that perhaps investors are looking for? I mean, there was a COVID angle in that obviously it's opportunistic and was taking advantage of what is undoubtedly one of the biggest downturns in living memory of any memory of uh, of that sector uh, and the availability, therefore, of cheap sites and good staff. But I think the management team was crucial in that. You know, not anybody could have done it. Hugh Osmond and um, Andy Bassadoni were, were absolutely fantastically impressive on the 
presentational front and their industry knowledge is second to none. So I think that that was the key USP they had, um, management, and I, I think that, that, that'll be a recurring theme. And talking about management, presumably that transaction was done entirely virtually, was it, Adam? Yeah, it was actually. Um, bar, we were in, we crossed over into coming out of the first lockdown from memory and we, we did do some hosted lunches which are still in favour in the city which surprise you to hear we did a couple of lunches in, in, in their restaurants which went very well actually but the bulk of it was actually done on, on Zoom and clearly very successfully I think that's interesting because it's another feature of Covid being a, a trend accelerator because in fact in, in recent times it's quite possible to do a transaction from start to finish from the certainly the lawyer's side and, and other advisors without meeting anyone. I and mean, even the kickoff meeting can be done virtually and increasingly is. It's, a, it's become a lonely reality. But the one aspect that people have always talked about being irreplaceable is the, the time between the investor and management, the, the face time. But if that can be done virtually, then do we think that will continue once COVID has passed? And, and if so, will it make a difference to, for example, the potential pool of, of investors? May they become more international even? Yeah, it's a very good point, actually. I think there's a num- number of angles there. One is if you're a, a, a PLC in the regions and you come to, traditionally, you come to London, you know, twice a year, you do your dog and pony show throughout the week and you have to stay in a hotel and they're never very fluid events. You've got big gaps in between where you can't do anything. So they're not satisfactory experiences. And I think what will happen now is that uh, managements can be quite comfortable that they can do their results roadshows and deal roadshows from Zoom, they might have to come in, and I think for new non-holders, it's always better to meet in person. But, you know, if you can do your existing holders, who you might know quite well, and save travel, hotels, and wasting time in London, I think it's got to be a plus. And also, I think more and more, and I think we're going to come on to it, but accessing the private client market is becoming more and more important. And you can't seriously do that on a sort of meeting basis. So um, group Zooms are going to be very helpful on that for those people, I think. Interesting, and we will come back to that question. Chris, from the corporate finance side, how have you found doing transactions entirely virtually? I think it works very well, actually. We've all become accustomed to it. We're all getting very familiar with Zoom. I think the drawback, actually, is having less face-to-face time to train your junior staff colleagues. Yeah, Chris, when you say we've all become accustomed to Zoom, you and I did a transaction earlier in the year together, and I've certainly become accustomed to the background to your home office. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least it's not the false background I had at that stage. (laughs) (laughs) Coming on to private clients and retail investors, how do you see retail fitting into WH Ireland's offering and, and, and continuing after the COVID time has passed? Well, we're, we've always been big supporters of private clients. You know, you can't just have a an IPO with eight big fund managers who sit there because that's really just a private company with a quote. So we're big fans of having the, the private client tail. There are some great new um, proponents springing up. You know, I mean, primary bid is, is, is more of a sort of order routing system. But there are organisations like Mellow and ShareSock who now have a big fan clubs of high net worths and, and private clients we, we did a roadshow with Mello the other day and they fielded 450 high net worths on a Zoom call. You know, I mean, that's tremendous. We have our own investor forum for high net worths and family offices um, and that's growing quite nicely. 
you know, I think it's in early stages because the FCA and, and the government are keen to involve um, private players. Quite where we're going to end up, I don't know, but I, I think there are some good mechanisms in place now and getting better. Yeah, it's a balancing act as ever, isn't it? And, and in fact, that is going to potentially become more relevant after Brexit because particularly on the regulated market side of things, so principally the main market, most of that regulation legislation derives from European law. So although it will be as is on day one, there will after that be the potential for the UK authorities to make changes to it. Um, And in fact, the the Treasury put out a call for evidence in, in November asking for market participant views on the usual contenders of free float dual share structures and exemptions to the prospectus regime. So it may well be that uh, there are changes to the main market rules. Uh, And I just wondered if that's the case, or even if it isn't, how do we think AIM is going to maintain its competitive position, its competitiveness as the go-to growth market? Yeah, well, um, my view on this is, 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 and I think you're absolutely right, and we welcome Aquis coming along. I mean, you know, it's always been around in some guys or others. I, th- I think, you know, any challenger markets are good. It stops the existing incumbent being complacent. I think really it's down to the fund managers. The fund managers like AIM, they're comfortable with it and, you know, they want to use it. So just thinking about that, listeners to, to this podcast, Adam, if you were talking to a director of a, an existing listed company, an AIM company, nothing peculiar about it, who was thinking of coming back to the market to raise some funds, what sort of things would you be saying looking ahead? Good question. Um, well, keep, keep the news flow going as ever. You know, there are still, whilst it's shrinking, AIM, um, there's still 900 companies on there and the average fund manager might hold between 50 and 80. So you've got to keep your, your name and brand in the headlights. And uh, so keep sensible announcements coming, keep the news flow coming, go out and see people. Certainly use the... Um, access the um, high net worth private client market where you can because they can write some decent tickets now especially as as, as a group of individuals yeah keep the good news coming really that's I, th- I think the main message but you should get a good hearing you know the market is still looking for good opportunities and, and will act quickly and, and quite emphatically when it when it wants to fantastic great to hear that positive message so Chris, if you were a company thinking of coming to the market next year, you're looking perhaps at the AIM market, you're thinking of taking private equity money, what would you be saying to to that sort of private company looking for the next step? I think the best advice is to plan early. Prepare, prepare, prepare. Take on board uh, or engage with your advisory team. Take their advice. Uh, the more ready you are for the process before you finally commit to it, the easier it becomes. And a well-prepared company, at the end of the day, can probably conclude an IPO within three months. If you aren't well-prepared, it can take many months more. So it's all about preparation. Think ahead, engage your team ahead and take their advice so that you're ready when you get to the starting gun. Fantastic. And you know where the team are, if you are that person listening. Yes, (laughs) I'd just be interested in Chris's thoughts on um, the previous point about if you're already listed, what you'd do for next year. Good news flow. Uh, I wouldn't put out news for the sake of it. It's got to be real news. Ensure you're meeting milestones. Ensure that the milestones you publish are milestones you can deliver on and will deliver on and do deliver on and maintain your profile and maintain good contact with your key investors. Agreed. Thank you very much. 
to Chris Fielding and Adam Pollock of WH Ireland. That's been a very interesting discussion. So thank you. Thank you, Tom. Yeah, thank you, Tom. <laughs>